So we want to talk about um, tonight, we want to talk about the importance of uh, fellowship, small groups, community, uh, not doing life alone, camaraderie, unity, whatever word you want to put under that fellowship uh, word or in that arena, you make sure that you use that. But we want to talk about that. I don't know if you remember a couple of Sundays ago, Apostle Oral, he released something during his, his message and he talked about the importance of fellowship and having community. So we want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Is that right? That's right. Amen. Do me a favor. Let me see your hand if you fellowship at any time during the week, whether it's with coworkers, friends, family members. Let me see your hand. Amen. Good. Hands down. If you are in a small group, let me see your hand. Amen. Just, just about everybody. Amen. So we've been doing a little um, research about fellowship. A lot of people have fellowship confused. Fellowship is not just getting a meal, going out, hanging with people. Statistics show that every single year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. Every single year, 2.7 million people do nothing in church. So if they're not active, they're disinterested. If they're disinterested, then they stop coming to church. Most people in the body of Christ desire a deeper level of intimacy. Not just going to church on Sunday, but for whatever reason, they take advantage, They don't take advantage of the opportunity to dive into fellowship with others. Um, most of these people, they do something simple. They come to church, they hug their neighbor, they get the word, and they go home. That's it. But even after all the statistics, and even after everything that people do not do, we still believe that the greatest and most powerful move in the church will come as a result of fellowship and community. Say amen to that. You need to understand this. It's always God's intention to have unity and collaboration. If you're taking notes, make sure you write that. Uh, you can write down the greatest and most powerful move in the church will come as a result of fellowship and community. Then under that, you can write, it's always God's intention to have unity and collaboration. All right. Can we get uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26? I'll show you something. I want to make sure that we understand how God operates. Uh, many times we forget that this fellowship and this camaraderie and this coming together and collaborating on things. Sometimes we think that it's just about us. But you know, when God created everything... It started with a collaboration. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in verse 26, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image after his likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the fowls of the air and over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. The Bible says, God said, let us, let us, you see that? Let us, this would suggest that there is a power of coming together, collaboration, being united, or being combined into one. And so it was always God's intention for us to do things as a unit or collaborating. It was never God's intention for us to do life alone. Amen? Amen. And if you continue to read, you know, after God created man, he saw that man was alone. So what did he do? He created one man because that man was by himself. It was never God's intention for us to be alone. 
okay? Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, you should not be alone. So if you go to Psalms 133, let's go there. Psalms 133, verse 1. This is God's intention for us to have unity and collaboration. I think we need to understand that because if we're going to see the true power of God, we got to make sure we're together. Amen. Verse 1 in Psalms 33 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, which means that it is God's intentions for us to be in unity. It's God's intention for us to have collaboration. The word collaboration is the action of working with someone to produce or create something. It's a working together or a corporate effort. It's the action of working with someone to produce. Somebody say produce. Or create something. It's a working together. It's a corporate effort. And we must know that the most powerful church today is a church with collaboration, community, and fellowship. Can you say this? The most powerful church, the most powerful church is a church, is a church with, collaboration, with collaboration, community, community and, fellowship. and fellowship. Upper room, go to Acts chapter 2 verse 42 in the New King James Version. This is good. Acts 2 and 42. New King James. I want to make sure that we all understand the difference between small group and fellowship and then put them together. Amen? It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, mm -hmm. in the breaking of bread and in prayers. When you look at Acts chapter 2... They had a few things going on. Number one, they mastered the art of fellowship and community. It said that they had fellowship in the breaking of bread. That breaking of bread signified that they had fellowship. They were together. They were in one place. They were in one room, and they stayed together until something happened. It also signified that fellowship creates opportunities for hearts to be mended, and it destroys the spirit of division. When you look at the word fellowship, fellowship means a group of people meeting to pursue a shared interest or gain. It's a group of people meeting together, shared interest or gain. I can like purple, you can like purple. That's a shared interest. I can like chicken, you can like chicken. That's a shared interest. And even when that shared interest happens, we both should be able to gain something out of the fellowship. Mm -hmm. It should not just be me gaining something and then you're just sitting there trying to figure everything out or vice versa. Mm -hmm. We both should be able to gain something through fellowship, which leads us to small groups. Small group movement, uh, the movement of the church has and will continue to expand as a result of fellowship through small groups. You have to understand that small groups, and I'm not just talking about this because I'm the overseer of small groups, amen, but I want to make sure that we get an understanding of what small groups is and how small groups started. And the first thing you have to understand is this uh, thing called small groups is biblical. This is how they started the first century church, by having small groups. Okay? If you go to Acts, I'll prove it to you. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 15. There is expansion when it comes to uh, when it comes to fellowship in small groups, expansion is started there. And, and if we want things to happen, we're going to, we, I don't know if you know this or not, but mega churches are trying to get small again. 
because there's a need from people and when you mega you can't meet all of the needs so you got to do sale groups or small groups so everybody can get their needs met amen you got 5,000 people it's hard to get to the bishop it's hard to get to the bishop so you better try to get to a little bishop or a baby bishop or somebody that's connected to the bishop <laughs> amen so small small groups are important and it started here in Acts chapter 15 uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 15 and I want y'all to, to really see this so that I can establish what my foundation is is that okay the Bible says and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said here's Peter he's getting ready to talk to the disciple and I want you to pay close attention to this part the number of names together were about 120 the number of names together or the people that were gathered were about 120 how many people was it Okay, go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. How many people was it? Okay. I want you to, to, to see how this, this whole thing started with small groups and expansion. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, of course, we, we're familiar with this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, they were all with one accord in one place. Go to verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. How many people was it? 120. Okay, you got 120 people. They were all on one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, I don't know what size house this was to seat 120 people. But the Bible clearly says, and it filled all the house. All the house makes the difference. There you go. Thank you, Holy Ghost. All the house, which means that they took up pretty much the whole house. And so here we have 120 people in a house and something happened. I want you, I want you to see that. 120 people got together in a house. Most of the time, small groups, you meet in your house, Right? And so for those of you who say, you know, I don't want all them people in my house. Imagine if the Lord put on your heart to host 120 people so that the Holy Ghost could come and tear your house up. You're like, hold on, Lord. Uh, we just got this carpet clean. Y'all ain't about to make. <laughs> the movement started with 120 people in a house. Now watch this. If you go to Acts chapter 2 verse 40, go down to verse 40 and 42. In the Amplified. Yeah, put it in the Amplified. Thank you, honey. You're doing it. You're welcome. All right. We got the Amplified. Yeah. It says, And Peter solemnly testified and continued to admonish and urge them with many more words, saying, Be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. So then those who accepted his message were baptized. And on that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. Watch this. They were continually and faithfully devoted, devoting themselves to the instructions of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. So they started off as 120 people in the house, and the movement started to 3,000. Okay? It started in the house, but I need you to watch this. Small groups is just the start in the house. The expansion comes outside the house. Because it wasn't until Peter left the house 
to speak the word for the, from the Lord, and then the people came. See, sometimes we get this whole gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and we get this whole movement of the kingdom thing twisted. We thinking we can just meet and talk and that's going to expand the kingdom. No, we meet and talk and we get built up so we can go outside and that's when the church starts to expand. Y'all say amen or something. Okay, so, so the movement started in the house, then it moved outside. Go to verse 46 and 47. In Acts chapter 2 in the Amplified. You can say in the Amplified. That's good. It says, Day after day they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind, and breaking bread in various private homes. You see that? Do you see that? And day after day they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose, and in their homes they broke bread. In their homes. Where were they at? Okay, now, now you got to understand one thing about this breaking the bread. I want you to understand when they say broke bread, that means uh, they were a benefit to each other. They weren't just eating, but they were they were helping each other. They they were uh, uh, like my wife said, they were finding common ground so that they could encourage each other. Bible talks about iron, uh, iron and sharpening iron. And so once you find somebody that, that can sharpen you, you make sure that you get with that person so you can grow. That's what breaking bread means in the text. If you look at it in the Hebrew content, it means uh, uh, benefiting one another. And so please know, small groups ain't just about eating. Because I know we got some small groups, and one thing they do is eat. Amen. Amen. They posting pictures. It's a spread. It's like, man, what y'all doing over there? So, but, but breaking bread is, is, is really uh, being a benefit or benefiting each other. And so when you're in small groups, you got to understand that you're not just breaking bread to eat. But you got to understand that you are... That you're benefiting each other. And then the Bible says, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily. Right? All this fellowshipping and eating and encouraging one another and building each other. That's what built the church. Right? One, it wasn't no deep message from the man of God. Because all Pete did was he just talked Christ. He talked about his experience. 3,000 people came. And they kept on going. The, the movement started. And then the Lord added to the movement daily. Say amen to that. Amen. Can I keep going? Y'all want some more? Okay. Go to Acts chapter 4 verse 4. You ready? I am. Okay. I'm going to let you know when your turn comes. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Acts chapter 4 verse 4. It says, in the amp, you can stand and amplify. It says, but many of those who heard the message of salvation believed in Jesus and accepted him as the Christ. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. Y'all watch this number. You go from 120 to 3,000 to 5,000. Now, you got to understand that's addition, right? So 120 plus 3 is 3,000. 120 plus 5,000. That's 8,120. Is that right? So they had 8,000 and they started at 120. So I want you to see how, how powerful this fellowship and this small group movement has become. And so if you go to Acts chapter 5 verse 14, your turn. Thank you. Okay. Acts chapter 5 verse 14. We're saying in the Amplified version. 120 to 3,000. To 5,000. They started in the house. 
moved outside of the house, and then they probably had to get a bigger space because the 5,000 couldn't fit where the 3,000 was at. Right. 120 to 3,000 to 5,000. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 in the Amplified Version says, More and more believers in the Lord, mm. crowds of men and women, mm. were constantly being added to their number. We're going to stop right there. Constantly being added to their number. Which means, if I have a small group and it's going strong for six months, there should be some addition mm. in my small group. Right. Some small groups will stay the same. The more people grow, the more they go outside, the more they get people, and they add, and they add. A really good example of that is Connect. I don't know if you guys ever look at the pictures that are posted, but every week there was a new face in Connect. And they are not necessarily a lifeline partner. It's somebody who, I'm in the house, I went outside and got somebody outside of the house to bring them in the house, which means... They probably got saved on the outside. I brought them on the inside, and now they can enjoy the fellowship. Amen. Amen. Amen? Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 42, also in the Amplified Version. I want to be a part of Connect, but they say I'm too old. They won't let me in. Who said me too? Cassandra. Chapter 5, verse 42 says, And every single day in the temple area and in homes, there's that word again, they did not stop teaching and telling the good news of Jesus as Christ the Messiah, the anointed. One thing I want you to look at at this verse. It says, in the temple area and in homes, which means they were in church and they were in someone's house. The second thing it said was that it did not stop teaching the good news of Christ the Messiah. Mm. What we do as a small group is good, but if it does not point you back to Jesus, you have not done your job as a small group. Mm. In small groups, the number one goal is for us to point people back to Jesus. There There are some people that are on the outside that the only Jesus that they may see is you. And so if you cutting up, They looking at you like, that's your Jesus? I don't want to have nothing to do with that Jesus. And that's why a lot of people will not come inside the church, so we have to get them outside the church and then bring them inside the church for the conversion. Amen? In Acts chapter 5, it says they kept growing by meeting in the temple area and homes. The scripture said daily, not weekly, not monthly, not whenever you schedule to do your group, but daily. Which means my small group should speak loudly every day wherever I go. Uh. I'm in a small group called Winning Wives. That's probably one of the best small groups that I ever have been in, ever. But everywhere I go, something that I've learned in Winning Wives, I can share with someone on the outside. Whether they're single, whether they're divorced, or they are looking to get married very soon. Something that I've learned in that small group, I can take to them and say, this is what the Lord is saying about your situation. So every single day, someone should be hearing about your small group, and therefore, daily, the Lord will begin to add. Amen? Upper room, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's look at this in the New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 19. 
And this is really simple. I'll just read this until we get it on the screen. It says, the churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. We simply brought this scripture out just to highlight again. Even in church meetings, they had them in their home. They did not have church meetings in the church. They brought people outside of the church, outside of the four walls of the church to do meetings in their home to signify fellowship. Amen? And so we talked about fellowship. We talked about small groups. And I know you're probably saying, well, I'm in a small group, but I don't even know why I'm in a small group. So let's talk about the why, Pastor Twan. You go to the small group because we said go to the small group. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do what Pastor said. Amen. That's right. That's what we do at Lifeline Church. And if the pastor say we doing small groups, we do. Y'all looking Not at me like. But <laughs> y'all looking at me like, oh, is that why we read? Amen. <laughs> we got real, real reasons why we have small groups. Amen. Write these reasons down in your notes. Uh, seven reasons for small groups. You want to say something? Okay. Number one. The first reason for small groups is. It cultivates authentic, godly relationships. Cultivates authentic, godly relationships. First reason we have small groups is because it cultivates authentic, godly relationships. I don't know if if you know this. I wanted to say it again just because she said it so eloquently. Amen. (laughs) One of the things you need to understand is it is our responsibility to establish godly relationships. And when you are in small groups, you get an opportunity to establish those relationships. There are people in the world that need to know what a real relationship feels like. A relationship that's not predicated on benefits. Uh It's not predicated on what you can do for me. What can I get out of you? Can you plug me with the job? How great is your name? How connected are you? No, we are establishing godly relationships, which means... I want to be in relationship with you because I love you with the love of the Lord. Amen. There are people in the world that have no clue what a godly relationship is. And so the first reason is for small groups is we need to establish godly relationships. Amen. Number two. Number two. It allows you to get comfortable introductions for non-believers. In small groups, um, sometimes for non-believers, it's hard to come into the house. The big house. We call it the big house covenant. We call this the big house. And so for some people that don't really understand this whole Jesus thing and this whole God move, sometimes it can be intimidating coming to a big church. Everybody jumping around. We got flags. They may not understand that. But when you put them in a small, intimate setting, it's a comfortable way to introduce them to Christ. It's a, it's a good way to share your testimony. It's a good way to open the door for them to ask questions. Amen. For them to inquire about. So I know, you know, y'all got this small group, but uh, tell me about this Jesus thing a little more. Tell me about this God thing. You open the door as a result of small groups. Amen. Number three, it provides a great way to meet the needs of the people. This is so important because uh, the example I used earlier was when you have a large congregation, you have a large house. Sometimes it's hard to get to the pastor to get your needs met. But when you're in a small group, your small group leader is is your pastor. That small group leader represents the pastor. And so whatever you need, you are you are in a place where people can actually touch you and talk to you. It's more it's easier to can you imagine somebody at church Sunday 
and the whole house is packed and we'd be like, you know, God can meet your needs and one person stand up and say, I got a need, but I don't want everybody to know. We come on to the altar, let God fix it. And it's like, uh, 700 people in this church. I don't want nobody to know that I have a need. But when you're in small groups and it's a small intimate setting, you can pull somebody to the side and say, you know what? I'm struggling in this area. And guess what happened? We're able to meet that need and we ain't even got to come to the church. The, the altar call can happen in your small group. Amen? Amen? Let's keep going. Number four, it provides focused prayer for one another. That's good. Go to James chapter five, verse 16. Y'all know about this. When you're in small groups, you have a, a great opportunity to target prayers and tackle them right then and there. Right then and there. Ain't, ain't nothing worse than telling somebody, man, can you pray for me? And they'd be like, all right. And walk off. And walk off. Oh, man, I'm really going through, brother. Uh, just keep me in your prayers. All right. I'm going to tell the intercessors. <laughs> no, sometimes you need prayer right there. And when you're in those small groups, you can focus prayer for one another and you can hit it right there. The Bible says, confess to one another, therefore your faults, your slips, your faults, steps, your offense, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Which means you don't have to wait to feel the power at church. You can hit it right in your small groups. And watch this. And you ain't got to be long. You ain't got to be deep. You can just target it. You, de- you need healing? Father, in the name of Jesus, we decree and declare now that healing would be his portion. We come against every, you know what I'm saying? You could get right in it. You ain't got to say, hold on, let me call the church because we're going to have the intercessors put your name on the list. No, go, you, you got to understand, gone are the days of that. That went away in the Old Old Testament when you used to have to bring all your stuff to the priest. The priest had to go to the temple once a year. You you didn't know if he was going to come out of the holies of holies. If he died, your your prayers done died with him. (laughs) But when when you are connected to prayer warriors, you can bring up your issue, man, and get that thing taken care of right then and there. Say amen to that. Let's go to number five. It provides mature learning for believers. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 12 in the New Living Translation. 10 through 12, I'm sorry. In the New Living Translation. We want to make sure that those that are in a small group are being matured mm-hmm. as they grow. Yep. You don't want to have stagnation in your small groups. You want to make sure that there is evidence of growth in your small group. I should be able to come to somebody and speak to them and have a conversation with them and they stand back and say, hmm, six months ago, you would have never said that to me. Well, praise the Lord. It shows the growth. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12, I want you to see this in the New Living Translation. It says this, and this is how I read it. That very night, the believers sent Reggie in London to Cicero. <laughs> when they arrived there, they went to Lifeline Church. And the people of Cicero were more open-minded than those in other cities. And they listened eagerly to Reggie's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Pastor Reggie and Pastor London were teaching the truth. And as a result, many people believed. 
as many of the prominent men and women. We have to make sure that our man and woman of God, that they are set in this house, that we can go back and say, this is what pastor said today. Let's go back in our small groups and search the scriptures and make sure that we are maturing in what they said, maturing in what they're trying to teach us, maturing in the things of God. Because if we don't, then what job or what service are we doing to the non-believers who've joined our small group? If we are not the ones that are maturing, then they're going to fall by the wayside too. It's like, this is useless. The relationship that I'm trying to create with you is useless. It's none and void. You told me to join a small group. I come and join a small group, and then I see foolishness because the same stuff that we do at work is what you're doing in your small group. Where's the maturity? Where's the maturity? And so we need to make sure that when we're in our small groups that we also do not kill our witness. Mm. We need to make sure that we are growing, we are learning, we are maturing, and we are going to the next level. Amen? Number six. Wait, go back. Go to Colossians chapter four. I want want you to see something. When she said kill your witness, that's important because believe it or not, your small group is an extended church. Okay? When they talk about the temple area and homes, temple areas is kind of like church plants. So you have the main campus, which has a a, a rather large congregation, but then they had temple areas, which were like little small plant churches that maybe hold 100, 120. You know, you have small, but then you have homes. So if you look at them, all of these are a reflection of the church. And so whether you believe it or not, your attitude and your response in your small group is a reflection of the church, which is a reflection of Jesus. And so if you look bad in a small group, everybody look bad. So watch this. Uh, what I say go? Colossians chapter 4 in the message. I want you to see something. So you got to watch how you carrying yourself. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you got to really pay attention, especially when you got new converts. You know what I mean? You got to make sure that you understand that small groups, fellowship, all of, all of this is, is, is built for people. This is about people. And so you got to carry yourself the right way. You got Colossians chapter 4 in the message. Verses 5 and 6. Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Watch this. Be gracious in your speech. In other words, watch your mouth. You can't be in your small group wilding out. Small groups ain't no click. That's good. Y'all ain't, you gotta, this ain't your, oh, our small groups, we finna turn up. No, you ain't finna turn up. Small group is a little lifeline. Look at it like that. And so, he said, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down. Not cut them out. In other words, you can't be talking about people. You can't be saying, well, you know, we've been saved this long. You should have been done. You got to govern yourself accordingly. Amen. That's how you, that's a good sign of maturity. Number six. It provides encouragement and accountability. You have to know that um, we are in a place now where we need to make sure we not only getting encouraged, but we're getting held accountable. In your small groups, you're not only going to get encouragement, but people going to hold you accountable. 
hey, where you been? Or why you coming in here smelling like that? We'll talk after the group because I need to make sure you understand we're representing Christ. You can't come to my small group smelling like that. That's Hennessy. I used to drink that. I know what that smells like. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm saved. But you got, you got to make sure that, that you understand that small groups provide encouragement and accountability. You had something to say? Okay. It's like Jesus, uh, when, when they, they found that girl in adultery and they talked about stoning her. And so all them dudes had stones. Jesus wrote something in the sand. They put all these stones down. And it wasn't that she did not do it. It was just that they called her out. People, what Jesus do? He says, your sins are forgiven. Go, sin no more. Which means I'm encouraging you, but at the same time, I'm holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, you already done got caught once. So go and don't do it again. Amen. And so we got to make sure that we understand small groups does that. Number seven. It helps identify and develop kingdom leaders. There is, uh, we need to make sure that we understand that what we're doing, one of the goals in small group is to develop leaders. Develop kingdom leaders. Uh, Once you have established your small group, you should have a co-leader. You should have people that you raising up that you that you saying, you know what, you're going to be the next leader so I can go and start me another group or you're going to be the next leader so I can go do some other things. So whatever you're doing, you need to make sure that you you have the discernment to identify other kingdom leaders. I can tell you right now, um, we were talking about connect. It's at least seven or eight small group leaders in connect. And so you have to know that one of the things that we are doing is we're raising up leaders. We raising up leaders. We got to make sure that we raise up godly leaders. If you go to uh, Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, 16 in the new living. Good time. We're going to get you out of here on time just in case you need to steal Christmas shop. I need the Christmas shop. Well, I got your gift. Huh? Did you see my look? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, the new living. Helps identify and develop kingdom leaders. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I want you to understand, understand that it's just, it's more than you playing your part, but you got to make sure that you help the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. At the end of the day, the whole body got to be healthy. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we are developing leaders. We are pulling these people up that needs to be in position. We need to be encouraging. We need to be doing all of those things. Those are the seven reasons for small groups. Did y'all get them all? Okay. Do I need to get another one? Everybody? Okay. Let's go to put this in your notes. Make sure you're relational and make sure you focus on people. And if you're not in a small group, you need to get in a small group come January. January. If my auntie was here, January. Amen. 
you want to make sure that you are a part of a small group. Amen. Let's go to. Let's do some benefits. Let's do a few benefits of small groups. We have four benefits of small groups. We did fellowship. We did small groups. We did the why we should be a part of small groups. Now, once you get in the small group, here are the benefits. Mm -hmm. First benefit is it provides leadership growth. Mm -hmm. As a small group participant, I should be able to see growth not just in myself, but in my entire group. Mm -hmm. If I have been a part of a small group for a while, there should be some charted growth that I can go back and say, three months ago, I would have never had that response. Mm -hmm. Six weeks ago, I would have never picked up that phone call. Mm -hmm. You should have some charted growth, and that growth needs to be identified by yourself and by others as a result of being a part of small groups. Number two, it keeps us connected with scripture. Small groups keeps us aligned with scripture. When you look at the book of Acts, you'll see that small groups were just demonstrated. Mm -hmm. All through Acts, all through chapter 2. It was just demonstrated. We talked about it earlier. They were in their homes. They were in their temples. They broke bread. They had fellowship. It was demonstrated in that entire book. So when we do small groups now, we are still implementing what they did in first century church. Nothing has changed. Only thing that has changed is evolution. They didn't have tablets back then. They had tablets. They just weren't these. (laughs) They wrote on stone tablets. We got electronic tablets. They rode on camels. We got cars. They broke bread. We break bread too, but you know, we have other stuff going on with our bread. But we implemented first century church, and that's the goal. That's what we should still be doing. So number one, it provides leadership growth. Number two, it keeps us connected with scripture. And number three, we get to experience biblical community. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 really quick. Hebrews 10 and 25 in the New Living Translation. A lot of times when we're in church, because we do have so, some people that come to church, get the word, and go home, they don't necessarily get to es- establish and experience the biblical community that being a part of a local church provides. Hebrews chapter 10 and 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The Bible simply shows us Bible community by coming together through small groups. Unity and fellowship is clearly demonstrated. And because we're in small groups, and this is what we're trying to do, we get to demonstrate that same type of community. I should not be in a small group and not know everybody's name. I should not be a part of this fellowship and not know at least where one person lives. Mm. I should know something personal about the person that I'm sitting next to every day doing small group. If I don't know something personal about you, that means we're not demonstrating biblical community because we're not being relational. We have to make sure that we are being relational as it pertains to biblical community. Amen? Amen. And number four, the last benefit of small group is that it models important values for a new generation of leaders. Listen. The generation that is coming behind us need to see what we are doing, and they need to be able to model it to a T. I can remember um, when my boys were growing up, all they wanted to do was be like their daddy. That was it. I can remember TJ, he was about five years old. 
he used to stand up in the house. I'm sorry, TJ. He used to stand up in the house and preach like nobody's business because that's all he saw his daddy do. When he was five, all he knew was my daddy is a preacher. So he would preach. He would play the drums. He would sing his own solo. And he would be his own amen corner because nobody else was saying amen with him. But he was doing it all. But it just shows that him being the generation under his father, he wanted to mimic what he saw. And so as it pertains to our life kids and and Ignite and those that are under us, all they're going to do is mimic what they see. So if they see us wilding out, guess what they're going to do? If they see us demonstrating biblical community, guess what they're going to do? If they see us in worship and and in praise, guess what they're going to do? And so we need to make sure that as this next generation of leaders are being developed, that we develop them in the right way so they can have the same spiritual maturity that the Bible talks about. Amen? Amen. So please know that fellowship, teams, collaboration, uh, coming together, all of that is the will of God. Can you say that? Fellowship Fellowship is the will of God. God. It establishes collaboration. And if you if you know anything about coming together, I like to use the animal kingdom because they are a good example of of coming together. If you think about uh, penguins, penguins lived they live in uh, Antarctica. And they say at some some certain parts of, of, of the year, it gets to be like one hundred and twenty below zero. But penguins live there. And what they do is when it gets that cold, they come together so that they can beat near each other to produce heat. And so you got to understand, if we want to see God, God's manifested glory in the house, we need to be able to come together and we need to be able to rub off each other to produce heat. That's good. You don't want nobody left out in the cold, right? So you got to be willing to come together with them to produce heat. Uh, another one is uh, wolves. Wolves, they roll in packs. And if you know anything about wolves, one of their their biggest uh, uh, one of their biggest asset is they roll in packs and they always use one wolf to ambush their enemy. And so they'll roll in a pack, but they'll send one wolf out there. So once the enemy comes to try to attack the one wolf, they all come and attack the enemy. Do you not know when you are a part of a good small group? Whenever the enemy sees you by yourself and he comes, tries to get you, you got your whole other pack of wolves. You got a whole nother crew waiting on you and they're going to have your back. That's the benefit of camaraderie. I got another one. If you ever notice uh, birds, when birds fly south, they fly in sync. So I wonder why that was. But when I read about it, they fly like that. So the ones that are a little less weak in their wings, they can just fall in alignment. And the wind from the other birds can help them fly where they need to go. One thing I love about uh, camaraderie is even when you weak, if you with a good team, you can just fall in line and let them take you where you're going. I got another one. Uh, have you ever noticed how, how ants are the smallest creatures on the earth, but when they come together, they're able to move. Th- you remember Tom and Jerry? Y'all, y'all, I, went, I went back. Tom and Jerry, they took that lady's whole picnic set up. Did. 
Listen, them ants came together. Hey, I'm too small to carry it by myself. But if all thousand of us come, we can get the picnic basket. We got the rolls. They had that little sausage. Y'all ain't seen it. <laughs> because, because they work together. And so you got to understand this unity, this collaboration, this fellowship is the will of God. And if we're going to be able to get everything that God has for us, we're going to have to learn how to work together. We're going to have to learn how to fellowship. Some people need to know what you're going through because they may be the answer to your issue. They may be that one act you need to get the rest of your stuff from the enemy. That's good. So you got to make sure. That you are understanding that in this particular season, you have to understand that it is imperative for us to have collaboration, community, and fellowship. Amen? Amen. Can you clap your hands for the word? Come on, clap better than that. 